talking so fast you can run his podcast at point five. Results are conclusive, just know that he argues both sides. His GM is a shadow of his normal self. Doppelganger stealth. Welcome everyone to episode 45 of the Shadow of the GM podcast. This is actually going to be a very brief episode. Well, in theory, we'll see when I start recording it now. Um, because if you want a full blow by blow really of how the session went when we played Merp Second Edition for the second time with uh, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast and Rob, who's also Minion uh, from Confessions of We Timorous Bushy podcast, I'd say go on to Minion's podcast. So if you find uh, Confessions of We Timorous Bushy, find the episode there where he's talking about the Merp game him and Jason had a chat on Zoom afterwards. I had to go back to work, but they carried on talking and they did a bit of a blow-by-blow, basically, of how the session went. Um, it went to quite detail about the things. So this is just kind of a recap of it from my point of view as a GM, really, um, just to kind of add my thoughts, because unfortunately I couldn't be there. I'm hoping next time when we do a recap, I'll be able to join in and uh, have a chat about it as well to sort of have a bit of a three-way conversation about how it's going and things. Um, but before that, I've got a little message from Jason from Nerd RPG Variety Cast about something I mentioned about the the Red Box Ice Red Box Ice project. I'm looking. Hey, Barry, Jason here. Interesting episode. Um, what what it tells me is that to truly do the high level investigation thing, we need to do a D and D game with D and D spells. So I hope you're prepping for that next. Anyhow, reference your your little rice project. Um, I think maybe we overlooked an obvious thing, and that's that cyberspace is still in production. Well, I mean, you, you can still buy cyberspace, right? It's still being sold. And the way MERP is a light version of Rollmaster, cyberspace is a light version of Space Master. In, in fact, it specifically calls that out in the rules. And Rollmaster and Space Master are pretty close. So we can actually take that published system, that currently available system of cyberspace, and do a fantasy book for it, do a fantasy supplement for cyberspace, and achieve the same goal. So maybe that's something to think about. Maybe it's easier. So first of all, D&D investigation. Yeah, maybe we do have to. Maybe we do have to do a brief one. I mean, to be fair, I could pull out Freeport Trilogy and do that. <laughs> that pretty much covers a D&D investigation game. I don't know, it's probably not investigation heavy. Um, I never mentioned this podcast, I just know a few conversations with some other people offline about it, that if you've never played them, uh, back in third edition times when Green Ronin were producing supplements for third edition, they produced um, a trilogy of adventures in Freeport. Would I say Death in Freeport, Terror in Freeport, another one that I forget the name of. Um, and I, I run those about three or four times with different groups. I had a really good fun running those adventures. And one of the things I found about it was that Green Ronin were definitely into the fact that because there was a lot more skills for D&D, third edition, even before it became 3.5, they had a lot more stuff around investigating and gathering information and you know going to libraries and searching for clues and things. So uh, it also helped that those adventures were written by people who did a lot of work on um, Cold Cthulhu adventures. So that kind of seems right up the street from that point of view. I mean, it's because it's still D&D heavy, it's still fairly combat centric. And, you know, although some of the stuff definitely got a lot of 
Lovecraftian mythos kind of elements to it. Um, it's still very much a D&D game, so while I might need to tweak it a bit more, had a bit more investigation still into it, certainly when we've been playing Merc, we've been a lot more investigation heavy, uh, which I guess I might mention a bit, a little bit in this episode. Um, but yeah, definitely got potential. We could probably run something and still do something. Whether we should do 3E, because that's maybe cheating, because it's probably more designed for, you could probably do investigation easier. Maybe we should do 5th edition, or whether we should do um, 2nd edition. Who knows? You know, I feel like we've definitely got scope there to try and do stuff. Like I said, I think there's ways around it to make the investigation system still work. Um, if we're thinking that Merp might not be the best one to simulate it with, because Merp probably is maybe a little bit, not lighter on the magic, but maybe hasn't got the same spells that D&D has, which I think is what Andy Goodman was kind of pointing out when he was talking about it. Moving on to second point about cyberspace. I had a quick flick through the cyberspace rules, and if I'm being honest, I'm a bit undecided, really. Um, I guess we probably need to work together. Um, I know you mentioned about whether we make like a Microsoft Teams or something to kind of collaborate on this a bit more about what we want to achieve by what we're thinking about the Merp sort of red box type things. Are we looking at doing a stripped down role master stroke space master thing that we can try and publish and get out there and kind of you know you know it's like a third party license depends what ic would let you do or are we just kind of doing something just for our own benefit i think work-wise the actual fact it's probably going to be fairly similar because i think lifting and shifting across information that's out there for the merp rules it won't take will take it takes time but it won't be hard necessarily and the fact is it, it will you know, maybe we do a few tweaks around some inconsistencies. If we find stuff that doesn't make sense, we want to clarify things from, you know, errators or whatever, then the rules are pretty much written already. Whereas I think if we made a supplement for cyberspace, A, it's, I think, closer to Role Master than Merp is. It's got all 10 stats, for example. Um, so it will be a bit more complex, I imagine. Uh, I've not looked too much into it yet. I'd have to actually really look through the rules properly and work out, you know, how the development and leveling up system works um, to compare it. Um, I think as well, we then have to look at, you know, when do we have to, can you pull across some of the role master stuff for weapons, tables, etc. Because again, Merp's already got all those set for that system. Whereas I imagine just from looking through a cyberspace thing, it's more heavier towards the sort of, you know, futuristic style weapons and stuff. So we probably have to look at whether that's cut across and as well, magic system coming across. Whereas Merp has already done. So I think it could be one of those where it could be 50-50 really as to which we go. Um, I guess potentially you might be able to publish it easier if it's a supplement for a game that's still kind of in production in some ways, or at least still available. Uh, whereas Merp, like I said, it's very hard to get it, and it's like whether or not you'd be able to do anything officially with it, or whether it's just an official little side project that we have to keep amongst ourselves because we can't really market it uh, in case Iron Crown come and sue us. Um, and then we could always tell Iron Crown about it, and they could always tell us what we can and can't do, and they say, yeah, it's your own use, it's fine. Because essentially what we'd be doing with Merp is we'd just be stripping out the core rules just to make it into an easier, digestible format, really, and stripping out the um, setting information, really, just to make like a light fantasy setting with the rules so we're not planning on you know making a whole new game system out of it necessarily it's just a case of kind of i think from my understanding what we're talking about which is kind of make getting the merp core system out so you've got like you know races and things that are generic races really and then rules uh, i mean one of the things that has been mentioned a lot since then is um against the dark master has just come out um and that's kind of similar i would say though dark master's done things like they've changed up a few things like for example they've reduced the amount of armor skills that you have so there's just like an armor move maneuver skill that's in there now and things and so they have they've messed around with a few things to tinker with it again i've only had a quick flick through the rules really for against the dark master but they have changed things a bit for merp so again well that's something you want we'd want to look at rather because i think from an economics point of view, the company probably wouldn't be too interested because of, against the Dark Masters now, and people using that as their version of Merp Retro Clone. They probably won't much of an appetite to play Merp 2nd Edition 
rewritten, but it might be something that we might want to do as a side project. So as like I said, I guess it really comes down to what we want to do. Anyway, I'll stop waffling again like I'm wanting to do about this. And it's one of those things I think we probably have to have a bit of a chat about next time after we finish the next session of the game uh, when we get around to playing it and see what we actually want to do with this and if we want to do anything with it at all. But until then, let's have a quick chat from my point of view about how I felt the session went the other day um, with me, Rob. So to give some context, because I can't remember what I said last time, the adventure we're playing in Merp is an investigation into Minas Tirith, where there has been some shady dealings going on. A blacksmith has been murdered and a scribe has gone missing. Uh, the party are a bit... That's well, not party, it's two of them, I guess. So we have a high-level scout, 10th-level scout, and a 10th-level wizard, essentially, in the game. And they've been employed by the steward or asked, requested, sequestered, I don't know what you'd say, forced into by the steward of Gondor, Denethor, to go and investigate this. Now, this did raise some questions initially, and they were smart enough to think, why does the steward of Gondor have any interest and a random scribe and a blacksmith? And they have, kind of, through the investigation, found out that these two were connected in some way to something possibly a bit bigger. Um, around the construction of the defences of the city. So they have gone around, and so what they've done is they've done some investigations, they've gone and looked around rooms, and the main thing we've done is that we've... Um, so Merp's not really designed for investigations, it's more combat orientated, but there are some skills around things like perception um, and tracking and, you know, stealth and things, which have been used in the game. Um, so unlike others where you do like gather information and stuff, it's more about perception and spotting. So the way that I've sort of run the session, I guess, is more to have the players as old school style, have the players describe what they're doing and they find clues through looking. For example, they found an envelope under a bed because they chose to actually look under the bed and lift up the bed and see if there's anything underneath it. So it wasn't a case of, you know, roll a search check for the room and find it. They actually said what they were searching through and they found clues, which were fairly well hidden to be fair, you know, actually through using their experience. So that's worked really well. Um, as I think they mentioned, if you look into, if you listen to Minion's um, podcast, uh, Commissions We Timber's Bushy, there's a big discussion about the wizard's magic. The thing about Merp, which is probably working to advantage in the, the sort of style of setting, is that you haven't got things like you haven't got um, locate object spells, you haven't got speak with dead spells, etc. So there are things like that which you know would possibly nerf an investigation a little bit. Um although I do have issues with that anyway. Um like speak with dead's a really good spell in D D for an investigation because they would find out who murdered them. That's if the person saw who murdered them. Bear in mind you can be shot by a bow from quite a distance. You can be stabbed in the back by a hooded figure. There's all sorts of ways someone can kill you greater invisibility potions where you don't become invisible when you attack someone. You know what I mean there's ways you can kill people in D D and other fantasy games without anyone knowing who on earth actually did it and then you stomp you speak with dead does you no good whatsoever unless the person you were speaking to actually you know was involved in something and you know the right questions to ask them so there's definitely things you can do um i need to look into it more because i suspect there's other spells and things where you can like trap people because bear in mind with this setting in merp um i'm talking about more generally here the people involved potentially in what's going on are quite significant figures in the city therefore they are potentially quite high level now if you transpose that into D D, if you've got high level politicians whatever involved in some sort of mystery so we're not talking your little low grade kind of thieves and stuff you know they could have access to quite powerful magic at the end of the day if magic's available to your players it's available to your enemies and so there are ways to get around things there's things like rings of man shielding there's things like you know magic jars to bottle people's souls up he says, trying to remember those rules very well. Um, so there's things you can do to stop people being able to speak to murder victims and things. Obviously, that would require a bit of planning on the part, so it doesn't really work very much in crimes of passion and like random murders and stuff. But if there's some sort of intrigue going on, 
you know, the people planning these intrigues will be well aware of what spells high-level characters would have access to, and so they should be planning to work those things around. They can't be foolproof, because if they're foolproof, no one will ever actually catch anyone, and um, so there has to be some chinks in it, so there might be bits of information that, you know, people they speak to do know, people that have been murdered might still be able to pass information on, etc. But that doesn't mean that, in my opinion, the magic kind of nerfs it. I do get that some systems are more geared towards it etc but it's i think it's you know it's one of those kind of fallacies there to say you can't do it in a fantasy setting and i think you know my players certainly from playing Merp will definitely be saying they're having good fun doing this investigation and finding these things out uh, like i said i don't want to go into the blow by blow if you um, listen to um Menion's podcast confessions of we timorous bushy him and jason really kind of go through the episode and do a very good job of cutting up i would say i pretty much agree with everything they said in the episode there were some good spells in there and it felt like they said, some of the things felt quite Tolkien-esque, you know, um, they're not throwing around ridiculous spells, it was like a sleep spell that was cast, there was a spell for delving to look into what an object was like used for, what it was made for, and that kind of felt fairly appropriate to the setting actually, which was quite good. We are aware that in Merp and Rollmaster there are definitely spells that would definitely not seem to be congruent with like Tolkien's kind of writing around magic and stuff, but certainly for what they're doing just now, nothing kind of sticks out as being non-Tolkien-esque in what's happening. Uh, I mean, maybe some of the plot behind it isn't because it's not really a Tolkien thing to do sort of intrigues in the city in the sort of same level we're doing it's not really something he did in his stories but it's kind of the the conceit i guess for this adventure so rather but you know there's nothing that i think is breaking the immersion from the players around what the setting is and what it's about Another thing I want to tag on here was talk a bit about the Merp combat. So again, Menion and Jason talk a bit about this, but um, essentially we did combat and it was so two characters and three NPCs and it actually ran really, really quickly. It was really swift. Um, I mean, just to give you a bit of background behind it, Merp uses a bit more of an older style in the sense that it's not initiative based. It goes through sort of combat steps so if you're used to war gaming this will be very familiar if you play warhammer 40,000 it'll be very familiar where you sort of have you have a preparing casting spell phase you then have a ranged thrown weapon phase you then have a, a melee combat phase and you have a movement phase and i should probably get the order right because i was the one running it but it's sort of that way around and then what you can do is you basically at the start of the combat you start of each round you declare what your action is going to be so the players well I'll decide for the npcs ahead of time and get the players to declare what they're going to do and then basically they then proceed through those steps to each section if there's characters so npcs and players say going on the same phase then it depends on your move maneuver bonus which is based on how good you are in the armor you're wearing so basically how skilled in your armor is effectively means how fast you go as to therefore who goes first if you match it's considered simultaneous and that's kind of just the way it sort of quickly does it so in actual fact it meant it ran really smoothly doing that as long as you know what those numbers are you can run it fairly quickly i mean fortunately the npcs all had slower move maneuver bonuses than the players because they're quite high level uh, Median kind of guessed it right they were third and fourth level from my memory the npcs are fighting so it was kind of an easy encounter for them they weren't meant to be there to you know kill them uh, i didn't want it to be too thing as they mentioned in the podcast you listen to it it was quite deadly the criticals came out quite early on just from very stupendously high rolls uh, so the npcs went down really quickly but that could have quite easily been reversed around onto the players so combat in merp can be quite quick and deadly if those criticals come out in that nasty way that they can um Another thing that helps really speed it up, and again, I don't have mentioned this in the ones, but one of the things I do when I run games, especially with a virtual tabletop, and we're using Roll20 at the moment mostly for putting basically pictures up and for running the character sheets, because it's a lot easier to click a button and roll the dice and get those results straight up. It gives you the full, adds all the bonuses and things on for you quite nicely when you do it. But what you can also do in there is that, um, bear in mind that you get rules in PDFs these days, or you can get them converted to PDFs if you scan them. You can do a thing on the PMOS PDF readers of taking a snapshot where you can take 
a small image of part of the PDF as a picture. And then what you can do in Roll20 or in Foundry or wherever else is upload it as a handout. And therefore you can quickly reference these things, which means when you've got the tables up in front of you, you can bring them up. And then when the re result is rolled, you straight away reference it and it's done, it's really quick. So it's no real slower than anything else. Um, and I've done this with Merp. I do this with GURPS all the time. So with GURPS, <coughs> I have a lot of the tables up on there. So I often have the range tables on there. Uh, I don't think we also got on GURPS, other things on GURPS anyway. Um, it's not a GURPS episode, I won't go into it too much. Uh, but basically you can put all those things in there it just makes life a lot easier. Just click on things and they come up. You know, the combat actions, what you can do and stuff. Just have quick reference. And you just click on it and it comes up on your screen. Internet connection, depending. Um, if you don't use a virtual tabletop, bear in mind if, you got, if you're using, you know, slides or whatever else, then you can also put it on things like OneNote or Evernote or whatever kind of note-taking things you're using or just have an extra slide somewhere where you can just bring them up and see them. It's just a way, basically, of having that quick reference guide to using it. So, you know, although there's been some things said about the tables and up tables, as long as you know where they are to jump to them quickly, it's not difficult. So even with the spells where you make a base spell roll and reference that to your table and go to the table. Again, it's only a couple of tables and it's quite quick. It didn't take too long to kind of flick through those and do those um it's not quickest as say you know if dnd which is rolling you say you cast a spell you cast it someone does a saving throw that is quicker i won't lie that is very marginally quicker but i can't say it made a huge massive difference to the speed and flow of the game given they're playing 10th level characters than it would have done playing any other system um, it might have been a fluke. We have to be said it is only one combat. There weren't enough little combatants. If we did a few more, maybe we'd find it was a bit longer for some other ones. But the impression we're definitely getting is it's not like some sort of really lengthy slugfest of continually looking at books and tables and things, because as long as you've got that stuff to hand, it is a lot quicker. Like I said, back in the day, when I was playing this, I was very young, didn't have access to a photocopier, living in the middle of nowhere as I was. So I had to like earmark books, like put little tabs in them from post-it notes to flick between them. These days you could photocopy a sheet, you could even give the players sheets of the charts for the weapons. So when they roll it, they can just reference it quickly. So lots of ways you could do it to make it really fast and really simple. You have the charts and the critical tables for the things you're using, the spells you know you're using. It just, it would go really quick. So that's the main thing I wanted to say. Um, on a slight downside from work, one thing I did find is that as you find a lot of the older rules, I mean, bear in mind, this was the 90s, they're not that old really, uh, but we're still talking like second edition D&D kind of era that it was a bit of a pain in the backside at trying to find some of the stuff in the rule book so the main thing from my perspective um as a gm was trying to build npcs in merp because i have the creatures of middle earth book which is very handy for pulling out some monsters and things but it was trying to build up these kind of brigands effectively um on the fly which was kind of quite on the fly i meant to do it ahead of time but i was running at time and i hadn't got a chance to do it so i was kind of doing it just before the session started uh, trying to find stats for npcs isn't easiest <laughs> um, so basically the main thing you need in merp up for an NPC you need a level because a lot of the stuff based on level they need to have like what armor they're wearing and also what their offensive bonus is um, to sort of work out and if any other defensive bonuses they have to work out there for when they're attacking what they can split between powering and attacking etc so I did fortunately manage to find some examples uh, in the book but what the Merp rule book doesn't seem to have I certainly couldn't find it when I was looking the other day I need to have a look through properly is a thing that explains to you how you do that process the core book doesn't seem to have it I need to have a look through some of my other stuff and see if it's in one of the, any of the other guides anywhere which talks a bit about how you make those NPCs because they are quite simple when you've made them they are very simple we don't have huge stat blocks perhaps it's literally like a line that says things like their name their level what their attack bonus is and what the weapon is so you know what charts to look up and stuff and just very sort of simple stuff about that so it's quite simple when you get a stat block out for an npc you don't have to write full character sheets and that's not what it's about but there's no real guides on how you build them so that's the only thing i like to say that we'd probably need to i need to get my head around a bit more and see where the information is and kind of get that information a bit more to hand um because there might be a few situations where i have to build people a bit more on the fly like i said fortunately although i was running out of time i did have enough time to find what i needed to construct these characters 
um, enough that they needed to be. So it worked in the end, but it was definitely, that's one of the things I found reading through a book that was a bit more difficult. So yeah, that's Merp Action from my point of view, from part two of our Merp Investigation series. Doesn't it always go that you think you've recorded an episode that Jason Connolly throws you something out of left field? So Jason received some calls from Arlen Walker from Life in Pelham's Wasteland, which was actually directed at um, Jason's podcast um, about the Merp game we played. But he shared it with me and Minion um, from Conventions of We Timmers Bushy for us to have a chance to respond as well. So I'm just going to play Arlen's messages in case you haven't heard them on Jason's show. And I'm going to do a quick, hopefully fairly quick, reply to those um, and sort of recap it as much as I can, just to kind of address some of those things, or rather not address them, more kind of state my feelings and opinions about some of the things he's raised. So let's take it away, Arlen. Hey, Jason, it's Arlen. Um, I was listening to your discussion with uh, Minion, with Rob, on his podcast about Murr. And um, told him, called in to tell him that I really enjoyed that and thought I'd call in to tell you that I really enjoyed it too. Both versions, the the tipsy Minion and the the fully sober Minion. Um, but yeah, um, it was a fun discussion. I think it was, it was interesting talking about how some of the spells fit much better within um, kind of the flavor of Middle Earth that we are all familiar with from the books and the the movies um less so the I'm, I'm less interested in the flavor from the movies than of the books for role-playing but that's just me um but yeah i thought that was a really interesting discussion i thought it was interesting your discussion about combat as well um i have been reading against the dark master i haven't gotten to playing yet and i have a little bit more i'm going to do some prep tonight and probably a little bit of prep tomorrow and maybe even record my um, overview episode after i have a chance to kind of read through some sections again um but it was it's interesting thinking about how um the the crits work and the attacks work and all that sort of stuff because it seems like the uh the numbers from the uh, character sheet are often, even for relatively high-level characters, um, not as much in Against the Dark Master, but it sounds like in Merp, definitely, um, often a lot of the uh, nature of the attack is determined by the role rather than the kind of skill of the character. And I don't know if you would agree with that or not, having, having played it, but that's what it sounds like to me based on the math, um, which is kind of an interesting... Certainly uh, not an unusual position for a game to have. A lot of games are like that. Um, D&D, especially at low levels, is certainly like that, where it's more about kind of rolling high than it is about being like good at fighting. Um, but I thought it was interesting because the other set of games that are kind of super punishing on hits that I'm familiar with are those Riddle of Steel games. Um, and in those, often it is... Um, Right there's there's relatively little there's a lot of kind of tactics and positioning and choosing the right action but assuming you have kind of two characters who are equipped relatively uh, similarly and who are fighting kind of similarly tactically it's all about who has more dice to spend for for their melee pool right it's it's totally a you know if you've got even a couple more dice to spend, odds are good that you're going to be able to to gradually wear down 
or perhaps even kind of instantly cut down your opponent, um, which I think is a really interesting, it's kind of an interesting difference. Um, so I wonder if it feels like that at the table or not, if, if it feels like there's a, a lot more influence on the role than on the uh, specific um, kind of skill of the character or the player. And then obviously that's kind of, that's a very subjective uh, question in a lot of ways. Um, and it's different people have different opinions about what, what makes things swingy or not and all of that sort of stuff. But I thought I would bring it up because I'm, I'm sort of wondering how it feels in play from someone who hasn't played it yet. Um, although I will be getting into against the dark master pretty soon. So I may be able to answer my own question with at least that version of the game pretty soon. Anyway, take care, man. Thank you, Arlen, first of all. So those are our conversations um, and those are thoughts around the combat system and the spells. I mean, I won't go too much back into the spells. I think we've already kind of discussed it and Jason has talked about it on his podcast as well about ways you can maybe tweak it to make those feel more like it. And it is a thing about the, the flavor of which magic you use as to how well it fits in with the, the setting. And yeah, I'd be like, you. it's more like the books to me rather than the, the films. To kind of address the combat situation, it's a complicated answer, I guess, for slightly for a complicated question. I mean, the skill does make a difference. The higher you skill, the higher you roll. It's worth saying that with Merp, it's a D percentile roll. So a D percentile roll, like your D20, is always going to give you a flat distribution. So you're always going to get just as likely to roll a 1 as you are to roll a 50 as you are to roll a 100. And so there is going to be a fair degree of swinginess based on this, which means it's kind of similar in a way to the D20 systems in that you are going to get some sort of swing really in how successful your attacks and things are and that will translate then onto the critical tables as well so that's a bit of an oversimplification about it initially and uh, because some things are complicated things are open-ended rolls so if you roll like five or below or 96 and higher you can then uber soup up your attack rolls are kind of even more criticals in a way because you can increase the amount of damage you do now those are the unmodified rolls so those aren't affected by your skill bonus so in actual fact the getting the potentially super high rolls can sometimes be affected more by the dice than your skill so it's worth bearing that in mind that some of that stuff that's your like one in 20 sort of chance as similar as one in a d20 and a 20 and a 20 kind of rollings and roll master are based purely on those dice rolls and not on skill um the skill does come into play from the character in lots of ways because like i said when you add that skill so if you've got a skill of like 70 in your attack you're much more likely to damage people with any with most rolls than you are if you've got a skill of like 20 say because you're more likely to be rolling at the lower end of the table quite a lot of lower rolls just don't hit anyone they don't hurt anyone there's like no damage from them depending on the armor and stuff they're wearing whereas the higher ones do more damage so it does make some difference it does skew it a little bit one of the things you do have to bear in mind as well with Merp is that your attack, your offensive bonus for your weapon, which is based on your offensive skill, is also what you use to add to parry if you want to use it to actively defend. So what you do, Menyon talks about this in his podcast and Confessions of We Timur's Bushi, is you can sacrifice some of your offensive bonus to use as a parry effect. So when an opponent attacks you, you take that away from their offensive bonus to hit you. So you actually make it harder for them to hit you or make or cause less damage because you're parrying the blow away. So actually having a higher skill works in other ways in the combat system as well as doing the damage and things. What it is worth saying as well is that what also makes Rollmaster a bit more swingy, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, is that you do get quite a few insta-kills on the critical tables. So if you get on those critical tables um, and you're rolling high enough on them, you can take people out. So there's lots of things where you injure them and they fall unconscious and they're bleeding to death. Ones like we had in that experience where they're not wearing a helmet insta-kill. So there's lots of ways you can take people out. So there's a fair degree of lethality in the rules. And, you know, again, that's modified by things like if you roll higher, you up the numbers you roll on the... Um, 
the critical table, so that could be affected by your skill. If your skill bumped up your dice roll by enough, it changes it from like a C critical to a D critical, say, which is like a plus 20 or plus 10 instead of a, a flat zero when you're rolling criticals and stuff. So there is a fair amount of things that could be fudged as well by that, but the actual result you get is going to be in some ways determined by the dice. And I think there is a fair degree of dice kind of influence in that system, which I mean, I guess there is with all games. I mean, like I said, this is a... Uh, I guess an extrapolation from the fact that it is a percentile system so you've got that flat distribution of the dice you actually roll uh, which would be the same with the d20 as opposed to say something like GURPS yes I know I'm going about GURPS again where you're rolling a 3d6 and you have that distribution more towards the average of your roll and so you're sort of not that you're less likely to get criticals depends on what sort of rolls you're using but it is a case that you know you're just as likely to land on one of those critical results as any other result whereas in the sort of more multiple dice systems it tends to more skew you towards a sort of middle average that you tend to get more often so you probably find there's a more consistent kind of play and what happens there whereas with the percentile system you are going to swing around a bit more like i said it, it meant the combat went quite quickly it certainly kind of felt um that the dice were kind of on their side because there was a few issues where like you're rolling for traps and stuff and you had high skill but you could still fluff it and things so there was a fair amount of the fates of the dice deciding some things about it but like i said when menu went into the combat because he had quite a good offensive bonus he was able to not that it actually came up because he killed everyone before it happened but in theory he was going to be able to mitigate a fair amount of damage from those opponents i think we probably need to play the combat system a bit more to get a full idea behind it but i think I feel, it feels to me that there's kind of a good balance here. I feel that there's a good amount of the fun of the dice roll still kind of interesting a bit, whereas the skill does still interplay a fair amount into it. And there's things as well, like if you have the ambush skill, which Menion had, that added to his critical result roll as well. So again, that was a skill coming into play and to get that critical actually and to kill that person, there was some amount of like that kind of interplaying into it too. So the skill there were actually backing some stuff up, but because it is a percentile system, there's my stat geek head coming on, and it's pretty much, you know, you can roll any number as likely as any other number. There is going to be a fair amount of swinginess from the dice rolling, which might be, I guess, what will lead to that feeling of are the dice more important than the skill. Um, but I think because the skill levels are suitably high in Merp, when you're at high levels anyway, you can get quite a high percentage to your attacks and things. It's not massively high, but they do make a significant difference to some of those dice rolls. You know, if you drop a roll by 40, 50%, say, or 40, 50 points, well, in percent on it, that's going to make a fair amount of difference, amount of damage you inflict to the chance of criticals that you inflict. So I think it won't be as simple as saying it's the dice are the main thing, but there is going to be a feeling of a bit of combat randomness from those sort of dice rolls and from the crit tables because that which i think is kind of the feeling they were going for with it it's that whole sort of idea that people could be skilled in combat but sometimes that lucky blow there's a lot of fate and fortune into playing into it which is if you want that kind of system that that kind of suits that style so anyway that's it from this so thank you very much arlen again this is like a last minute addendum added on but hopefully that was useful and hopefully my my response made some kind of sense So that's it for another episode of the Shadow of the GM podcast. Just to let you know, I am recording some of these episodes a bit in advance to try to release them later next week. Um, so these are actually being recorded at the same time as my Friday episode on the GURPS family game, just because I've got free time today to do it. Um, so if I get some call-ins in the meantime, I might not be able to add them in. So apologies if you call on some earlier episodes and there's things that might be relevant here, but I am trying to theme the call-ins. So hopefully that won't happen, uh, but we'll see. So until next time, if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to get find me on anchor.fm slash gmshadow. You can also email me at gmshadow at hotmail.com and you can send me bigger audio clips. Anchor has a 60 second limit. If you want to give me something a bit longer, feel free to record a bigger piece of audio and send it through to me. You can also find me on Twitter at gmshadow um, and I'm kicking around on the MeWe as well. Some, on some of the sort of groups there, like the GURPS group, the Tabletop Role Players group is kicking around on there at time to time. Um, so yeah, hit me up if you want to send me any messages and let me know. Until next time, everyone, please keep up. Our-